We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Steve Rosenblum. We suck, so your self-quarantine doesn't have to. Mark Grody. I think there will be lasting derivatives of this once we get through it, and hopefully we will, um, with minimal damage, that um, people will be more aware, honestly, of washing their hands. And, um, Good thing. And apparently wiping. Apparently wiping. They suck, so you don't have to. They can do what they have to do. They know what they have to do. Now they don't have any problem getting it done founding members of the wb club wake and they come on where's toby so i'm practicing you know social distancing and i have a few tips for everybody you know you know no sharing pipes or joints things like that the three words that describe this show and i quote stink stank Stunk. It's Saturday Suckage on the score. We should be 670 WSUK. Or if you're watching us on Zoom, it's Saturday Zuckage, as a Twitter follower, Tony Laddie, suggested, and I think that was exactly what we should do. Mark Brody, how are you doing? Zumping different. Uh, I am yeah. doing quite well, Stevie Sunshine, looking out my window, and I have no idea if it's warm out because I have not stepped foot outside the doors, but... Uh, it looks beautiful out in the great, big, beautiful city of Chicago, and uh, we've got a beautiful day today because we have an Arturus Carnishivus to discuss. We have a new baseball balloon, and as you and I were just talking on the telly, a brand new segment today. We do. What are you doing, Wegner? That's our segment. We'll tell you about <laughs> it later. Uh, it'll be in the 12 yeah. o'clock hour, and um, it is Saturday. There has been some discussion among people on my Twitter feed and probably in life in general as to exactly what day this is, what day any day is. So it's Saturday. That's why we're here, right? Is that how we know? Because we're doing a radio show. (laughs) 
It's the only reason I knew today was Saturday, because I was doing a show with Steve Rosenblum, and I have been as much as possible on my Instagram page doing videos to remind people of what day of the week it is, and uh, followed by just a couple little things that I like to get off my mind. So if you ever need a reminder on the day of the week, please, please, by all means, go to my Instagram page. There you go. Thank you for keeping us up to date on that. And this is the day that there was yeah. some thought that this would be the day the Bulls officially, um, virtually introduce Arturis Karnaschovas as their new basketball god. The man in charge, the man who would be Theo, I guess, if that's the way you're looking at it. The man who would take over and expand and change and bring modernity, bring a modern thought to the Bulls' front office. He would build it out, as they keep saying. So what you know, what we've read, what we heard, what do you think about what's gone on? What do you think about Arturis Karnaschovas, Mark Rohde? Well, the first thing that jumps out to me is upon listening to the reaction on the score throughout the week, the analysis from experts on the score, listening to fan callers, following some of the tweets, looking at some of the text messages at 67011, that this is one of those rare times in, we'll just insulate it to Chicago sports, where there is almost 100% compliance and agreement on this being a good move. And it makes me a little bit nervous that part of the compliance on this is, in terms of the group think that does exist right now, is that it's because, it's not necessarily because of Arturis Karnaschovas, it's because of the, the Bulls finally doing something dramatic. It's, to me right now, it's more about the subtra subtraction as opposed to the addition of Karnaschovas. Now, now he, it, it does appear that he gets pretty much straight A's from everybody that the score has spoken to this week. But both of those people are very close to him. The resume exists with some of the draft success with, with Denver, with Jokic and Jamal Murray and, and Gary Harris and Yusef Nurkic. And, you know, the names go on and on. His decorated EuroLeague resume. But the the part about this is, is we still have no idea how successful he will be with this Bulls franchise and in actually turning it around. So right now it's more about the fact that the Bulls did it as opposed to exactly who it is. Right, that he's not Garpax. That's, right. that's what this comes down to. He's not John Paxson and Gar Foreman. He's not Garpax, so yay. And um, it's also... It also gives you a chance to see how the other half, how a rebuild really goes and really looks, because he was part of what changed in in Denver, part of what changed in Houston, and we will bring back Houston basketball ubermacher Daryl Murray. He uh, he was on the score this week with McNeil and Parkins. We will bring that back later in the show. He was a terrific interview. You you learned a lot from about the the Bulls' new basketball czar and one of the things you find out is is his time in denver and becoming gm as assistant gm and and he's he was the guy who made the trade for as you mentioned gary harris and yusuf nurkic uh for the rights to doug mcdermott 
Now, Bulls fans will remember that as one of the all-time great face plants, which is saying something for Garpax, because it ultimately turned into a deal that brought the Bulls Cameron Payne, the way everything played out. Yeah. And, and now you wonder how, much, how hamstrung Karnaschovas will be because he won't have Garpax to sucker anymore in trades. <laughs> he loses one big sucker in, in coming to the team that he was able to, to hijack uh, players, the beginning of a, a, a rebuild and, and whatever else he turned it into. The hope is, the hope is that he can expand the scouting and, and expand the, the range of thought that he becomes, as, as he got Jokic in the second round, he becomes the guy who, the next Giannis, whoever that is, he becomes the next Bucks guy, and he interviewed for the Bucks job a couple years ago. So this is, this is what the Bulls would be hoping for. This is what they're getting. They also got a guy who seems to be very Bulls in my world because he could build sort of deep and talented rosters without top five picks, and he's perfect for the Bulls because they never get marquee free agents. He's never been with an organization that gets marquee free agents. I don't know how you win without that, but that's what the Bulls have done. So, that's, in other that's words, the th- this could turn into the, the early success of John Paxson, where... Yeah. He brought in Scott Skiles and then built a, a, a playoff team that didn't go deep into the playoff team, but it was an entertaining team that maybe overachieved a little bit with with the likes of Luol Deng and Ben Gordon, my guy Dewey, Chris Duwan, um, you know, that, Andres Nocioni. Yeah, I feel like he's my guy since I hung out with him at Sluggers once years Kurt, ago. Kurt, years ago. Kurt Heinrich. No matter if that's Kirk Heinrich, yes, Kirk. yeah, who was supposed to be who was supposed to be Dwayne Wade. Uh, that's who they wanted in that draft, but uh-huh. Miami Miami had the same idea as the Bulls. But yeah, I mean, at this point, the the problem is the Bulls. Like you go back to that when when John Paxson did take over and did restore order from the the Eddie Curry Tyson Chandler. Uh, Jamal Crawford triumvirate, the big three back then, and he blew that up, blew up Bill Cartwright, obviously. Restored order and got things respectful. But I think you bring up a a key point because, unfortunately, that's not acceptable in this NBA. I think a restored order would be nice, but in short order, the Bulls do need to figure out a way, whether creative or by luck, to land that superstar and it's going to require some sort of big move and that's what I'm looking forward to. What is the big stamp that Karnaschovas is going to put on the Bulls? What's going to be his big boss move? Every boss that comes in has to have their big move whether it is by subtraction or by addition and that's the part that I'm looking forward to sitting back watching, listening to him when we do hear from him, reading between the lines on, because that's all we're going to have. No, no GMs are going to come out and tell you what they're going to do, but it's going to be fun to read between the lines on what his plan will be going forward and, and how quickly order will be restored. 
We will talk with Rob Schaefer of NBC Sports Chicago at noon. He's done some quality work on breaking down Karnaschovas's, um the hard work he's done, the work he has done for for Denver and joined them in 2013. And among the moves, as you talk about matching without the without the great free agent, he did sign Paul Millsap, one of his first moves as GM, and he he was. You know, part of the drafting and retaining of Jokic, um, he was an assistant GM when they when they they suckered Garpax and the Doug McDermott thing. And and there are you you do have a Denver team that won 54 games last year, was on a pace for 54 this year, third best in the West in the season that was that had you know COVID-19 ended. So he can do that, and and yet. We've seen it. It just takes superstar after superstar. You need several of them, not just one. The Bulls have not been able to attract that. How he does that, I don't know. What he has done, some of the news in in what he has apparently hired without being officially presented with as having the job, the Bulls apparently, according to Casey Johnson, have agreed in principle to hire J.J. Polk as the assistant general manager He's the Pelicans Executive Director of Basketball Administration. He received his law degree from the University of Illinois, renowned for his salary cap knowledge. And I guess that's always your your first hire. Get your salary cap guy in there so you know what you can do and how you can do it. And there is um, Adrian Wojnarowski and then KC at NBC Sports Chicago confirmed Nuggets scout Pat Connolly, because you always go back to the organization to try to raid the organization you just came from. That is in play. He's in play, Pat Connolly, for a front office job. He's a former Suns assistant general manager and a strong reputation in player development. So there are a lot of moving pieces here without having named. He has not named his general manager. I guess one of the things, Mark, you're intimately familiar with the way Theo Epstein and Jed Hoyer worked. There is... There, there's the question of, is he going to be Theo, where you're essentially the general manager as well, though Jed has the title and he works hand in, they work hand in hand, but ultimately it's it's always seems to be Theo's decision and Theo's speaking of this kind of stuff, and that's what you wanted if you're a Cubs fan. So is that what is that the way you see this? Is that the way you'd prefer this, whatever Carnage Yeah, I would is? prefer it. Yeah. Yeah, I would, I would definitely prefer it that way, and I believe it's going to be that way. And yeah, it's interesting you say that because Theo Epstein, it was it was always very like still to this day in the Cubs organization, it's 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 very ambiguous or it's very kind of unknown what really the you know Jed Hoyer is doing and what Theo Epstein is doing, like in terms of who's actually you know, recruiting, selecting, digging into these ideas. But I think it's Theo Epstein. And, yeah, I I think that you have to have a top voice, a a Theo Epstein, like you said. And I think from everything I've read and everything I've heard, and that's what we're all going on right now, I think Karnaschovas is that guy. And, quite frankly, I'd like like the Bulls to have that guy, whether it was him or anybody else – yeah, I, I do think you need to have that voice. I mean, it was very confusing with the Bulls for many years. Like, Paxson was the, was the definitive voice of the Bulls early on in his tenure. And then he turned it over to Gar Foreman for a couple of years. Everybody ripped out. It was a PR nightmare to have Gar Foreman out front, whether it was fair or not. And then Paxson came back. And I think that that created confusion. I think there's a certain security 
with the fan base, with your players, with other players around the league, when there's one prominent voice and then competent, um, credible assistance below that guy. So I think, yeah, I think it has to be Karnaschovas as, as the, the one voice while allowing other voices to be real in the room. But it is it is Chauvis. We're just going to call him Showtime. It's Showtime. Showtime. Hey, I like that. To, yeah. Yeah. See? All hey? right. Showtime. Um, that has to come. Yeah. Right. He's got to put He's got to put it out there. Showtime's got to put it out there for everybody. Because I think or that would Car- make everybody. Carna Showtime. We'll call him Carna Showtime. I like that. Right. Because I think, I, I got to look it up, but I do believe there is another brand trademark Showtime that exists in the NBA. I got to look it up, but, I'm, uh, but uh, I think that there's okay. another Showtime. You get back to us on that. You know what? When in bringing up the the Garpax idea, the thing that the that the big piece of fat hanging out there now hmm. is Jim Boylan, and is is that piece of fat going to be just burned up over the fire and that's gone? And where's Paxson going to be? Because he's still going to be around. And I see a lot of Hawks similarity to what the Bulls. What I want to see the Bulls doing and the way the Bulls are moving. When when the Hawks finally did it, it was John McDonough's coming in. John McDonough is going to be able to build out. We're going to make this a modern organization. That means getting rid of Bob Pulford and physically moving him out of the building and bringing in the people that, that John would hire down in in his hierarchy and ultimately it meant bringing in scotty bowman and if you're going to bring in hockey yoda you're going to listen to him and do what he says even if it's so painful that you have to fire legend dennis savard as coach and ultimately get rid of dale talon as general manager that's what that's what scotty wanted that's what scotty that's why you brought him in and the idea that you're bringing in Karna Showtime to bring to be the boss, I, it, if if he chooses to keep Boylan, this is going to look like Carpax. It's going to look like he was told he had to stick some. It'd be as dumb as the Bears making the new GM Phil Emery keep Lovey Smith. You just can't saddle a guy with this. But also, if he chooses to keep Boylan because he sees a good Hulk coach then this thing's dead in the water. I wouldn't send in season ticket money for, for anybody who tells me that, that Jim Boylan is a, is a good coach and we're going to keep him. That means the new guy's as bad as the old guys. I don't see why Jim Boylan hasn't been fired yet. If, if, if Carnage Showtime can bring, in, can, can bring in people in agree in principle to bring in a salary cap guy, then he can agree in principle that Jim Boylan doesn't need to be around right now, don't you think? If you go back to the uh, to the Blackhawks model that you laid out there, didn't Savard get fired middle of the season? He wasn't the beginning of the season canning, was he? Four games in. Four games in, okay. Four games in, um, yeah. Yeah, so, I mean, I could see a scenario where Boylan stays, and the only reason that he would stay ah! is if... Yeah, I know, I know. And that's what most people listening are saying right Talk now. Talk about Saturday suckage. Nobody wants to hear that. <laughs> wow. Look, if, if Karnaschovas comes in, and the only scenario that I could see it in is if he, because let's face it, he is, Karnaschovas, there are some things that he's going to have to to learn, and one of them is the Eastern Conference. He is very obviously considering his resume and where he has worked, that he is with, with Houston, 
Um, you know, he he obviously has had all of his learning in the Western Conference. So there is a learning curve for the Eastern Conference for Karnaschovas. I don't know that that would necessarily entail keeping Boylan in place, but uh, just just to kind of get a look at what this organization is, what exists, what they have, and then start weeding it out. So I wouldn't say that, that Boylan would stay for the entire year, but a lot of times new guys will come in and they'll just let it play out for a minute and then they'll start to make the changes and make the moves and do the drastic, dramatic things that, that they have to do. Well, he could have fired him already. If he had the job, if he, had, he could have fired him already. Uh, we will we will take a break. We, I'll tell, I already mentioned we'll have Rob Schaefer of NBC Sports Chicago. He covers the Bulls. He's written some really good stuff on, on Carnage Showtime. And we will uh, bring him on at noon. At 1 o'clock, Eric at home. We'll be here to talk NFL draft. Yeah, that's going to happen, and the Bears are going to be there. And can't see, can't wait to see how Ryan Pace blows more offensive draft choices. But we'll get a rundown on that. And next, Bears head coach Matt Nagy was on Bears All Access, and he stock talked about scheme evaluation. We're going to evaluate what he said, and we'll bring that to you next. Saturday Suckage, Rosenblum and Grody, Chicago Sports Radio, 670 The Score. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. What we said earlier is throughout this this open quarterback competition, it's going to be just that, guys. You're going to see how open and transparent we are in this thing. There's no agendas. We're going to go out there, and these guys, are. we're going to give them every opportunity, equal opportunity, to go out there and, and win the job, and, and we're going to be very honest and open with them. And I think that's the only way that you do it. And, and with that, it'll be healthy, and it should make the Chicago Bears better. We, we've, we've spent this whole offseason now looking at scheme evaluation and just taking a look at the why part behind our offense and why it was so sluggish. It's not just one reason. There's several reasons. The beauty is for us is that we think we know what some of those answers are. And, and some of it is, um, is, is players. Some of it is scheme. Some of it is execution. What's good for us is that we know that we can get a lot better. And, and all of us as competitors can't wait to get back out there um, so that we can do that and show everybody you know, what our plan is. And, and it's, it starts with Mitch. And I think he's excited for that opportunity, and as is I know Nick is as well. That there is your interim Bears head coach, Matt Nagy. He was on Bears All Access. Talking about a couple things, scheme evaluation and 
getting all ready for a season that might or might not happen. We don't know. We know the draft is coming up in a couple Saturdays. Um, so, so Matt Nagy says they've spent a lot of time this offseason going over scheme evaluation. When you talk about a bear scheme, it seems perfect for Saturday suckage, which is what you have. Steve Rosenblum, Mark Grody. Mark Grody, you cover the Bears. What what do you make of the phrase scheme evaluation? I think that's Matt Nagy admitting that he is not going to try to force every single letter of his um, highly alphabetized or um, never mind uh, his really large <laughs> playbook. I, I was getting stuck in some sort of horrible analogy right there, so I'll just move on. Um, he has decided, or he now knows, that he can't do every single thing that he truly wanted to do in that playbook, whether it was because of Mitchell Trubisky or whether it is going to be because Nick Foles is coming in, and although he does have a pretty good understanding of the offense, he doesn't know every single intricacy of the Matt Nagy version of this offense. I asked Matt Nagy back at the the Combine in Indianapolis back in February, is it possible that you have learned some things and that you may need to, I don't, I don't know that I use the word downsize, but change some things as far as the offense is concerned. And really before I even got the question out of my mouth, he confidently answered yes, that, that yeah, maybe some things do need to change. We saw the offense change about halfway through the season last year where he, where he finally stopped trying to force everything down the field as far as the passing game and actually started to use the running game. So I think we're going to see better balance, and I do think we're going to see some differences. I mean, I think the key outs of his offense are going to stay, but I think that that's that's Matt Nagy saying and offering to to Jeff Joniak and Jim Miller and Tom Thayer there on Bears All Access that they, they're looking at themselves too, that they mean it when they say it's everything on this offense. And yeah, maybe the quarterback was the biggest part of the problems with the offense, but there are other parts of it, including the, the guys that call the plays and construct the plays and make the offense that need to change and quite frankly need to be better. When you're talking scheme evaluation and you're evaluating it and you start evaluating the quarterbacks, as you said, their grasp of the scheme, it would seem that whatever transparency there is, that this ball game's over because we've seen what Mitch Trubisky's grasp of this scheme is. You can evaluate it as a guy who hasn't learned how to learn, hasn't learned how to improve at the NFL level. Foles, meanwhile, well, if you're in Philadelphia and he's if, if he's in Philadelphia and he's coming off the bench, he's a great quarterback. If he's anywhere else, forget it. He's not somebody you want to start. He's not somebody who has distinguished himself, certainly not the way he did in Philadelphia. And it is but it's still likely to believe that whatever they evaluate, however they evaluate the scheme and whatever they like to go with they can easily determine who they want to start. They might be as transparent as possible as they say they are, but by the amount of the scheme they they use, the amount of the playbook they call that he calls, you can determine who you want to play because Foles likely has a better grasp of it in, in without even having taken a snap than in, at least in the bear in Chicago than Trubisky has. We've seen what his grasp is. They could determine this pretty easily. Yeah, but if they're changing the scheme or if they are evaluating the scheme, that connotes to me, at least, that, that there would be change 
of the scheme and perhaps simplifying of the scheme to maybe more fit the skill set and mindset of Mitchell Trubisky. The other key words we just heard there from Matt Nagy on Bears All Access, and we do thank the Bears for letting us use that audio, um, that he said, he said, and you know, we know coaches fib, we know GMs fib, it's part of what the NFL does, it's part of the gamesmanship. He did say no agenda. And I think that's that was important for me to hear. I don't know if Bears fans agree because it's out there that you know the the Bears would have their guy, and I don't even know who that is because you can make a strong case for either of these guys being the guy that they would want and have an agenda for. Of course, Ryan Pace, you would think, rough draft wise, would have an agenda for Mitchell Trubisky. Um, you would probably lean towards Nick Foles as the agenda for Matt Nagy, being that he's had him in his offense for two years, and for whatever reason it hasn't worked out, plus not to mention his relationship that already exists with Nick Foles and knowing the powers that he has and does not have. So the fact that he said no agenda is either trying to get that out to the public for PR or it's true. And they and they have used now on both occasions that we've heard from Matt Nagy since the signing of Nick Foles, they have used the word, they've offered it without being prompted, transparency, as in the players are going to receive transparency. And Matt Nagy also has continued to say that we, the media, um, you, the Bears fans, will see this transparency, as in we're going to make it pretty public what we like and what we don't like. Well, yeah, well, we have to actually get to the point where there's a season worth seeing because we, oh, yeah. we, we know what Ryan Pace said at the end of the season that Mitch made progress and Mitch has good decision-making and he's, and he's processing things well and he just lied about everything. He, he was either lying <laughs> or stupid. All that stuff he said, and the point was made, that's what he says now, but what, the way he acts and what he does will determine it, especially when he said that Mitch is our starting starting quarterback. At the time, he was the only quarterback, so you understood that. And then when time came to watch the Bears do something, they signed Nick Foles. And so, so whatever they consider, whatever Matt Nagy is saying, and at least he's been consistent, we haven't seen him act on it. He hasn't had the chance to act on it. But let's play what if with the... the the draft is coming up, the virtual draft is coming up, which scares everybody because we already know that Zoom can be hacked into. It has been. The, we've seen it in headlines. And now everybody's worried that Bill Belichick is going to hack into everybody's uh, draft, virtual draft plans. But let's say it had been where you couldn't visit, you couldn't make any visits, that they're illegal. Like, what if the year that Ryan Pace made the terrible mistake of trading up for a guy to be a bridge quarterback between Mike Glennon and Nick Foles. What if he couldn't have visited Trubisky? What if he couldn't have gotten caught up in the cutesy story about having him make a reservation? What, what if it was just whatever they got at the combine and whatever they saw on tape? Do you think from what you know, from what you've seen, what you've heard, do you think he would have made a different decision? Do you think he would have acted differently? Wow. I mean, he obviously his in-person visit with Mitchell Trubisky, as you are indicating, meant a lot to him in Mm -hmm. his evaluation, or at least that's what he says publicly. So I don't know if he would have made a different decision, but 
you know, that there would be evidence to suggest that maybe he would not have been as enamored with Mitchell Trubisky had he not had the the FaceTime, the actual FaceTime with mm-hmm. with Trubisky. So, and it also would have, if, if it didn't exist, it also would have ruined that the the Rich Campbell Dan Weeder story in your former Chicago Tribune. <laughs> that was expertly reported and wonderfully enlightening. And I can't believe that the Bears didn't fire Ryan Pace after that story. I mean, they should have just fired him after Mahomes was MVP. They should have fired him again after Mahomes won the Super Bowl. Is just It's unbelievable that Ryan Pace still has a job and was allowed to make another quarterback decision. It's Go just, Bears! Wait a minute. Wait a minute, wait a minute though. Wait staggeringly a minute. He, stupid. Was he not given the gold medal after he made the, a terrific trade for Khalil Mack? Um, did he not draft Eddie Jackson? Did he not make the decision to keep Roquan or to, to draft Roquan Smith to keep Kyle Fuller around um, to draft the uh, uh, the nose tackle whose name I just, Eddie Goldman? Uh, there's been there's been <laughs> there's been a to sign Akeem Hicks. I would say that while he's had his problems on offense that he has put together, drafted for, traded for, kept around a hell of a defense. So how does that even itself out? Well, or doesn't it the, even you itself You see out? the results. He has he at every step of the way, he has blown the most the blown the choice, the decision. He's been bad at the most important position on the field. Although he has he managed to turn kicker into the most important position on the field <laughs> and looked even dumber there. But between kicker and tight end and quarterback, I don't know how he still has this job. Just look at that. What, it, what They have 10 tight ends on the roster. I, in fact, I wrote a parody song about the tight ends on the roster. And, and he has made a mistake at quarterback every step of the way. I, I, I guess the question I'd ask now is, is Nick Foles injured yet? Because I would expect that to happen, since he seems to be the guy more likely to win it. And did you see, and and the fact that he still has a job after what he's done at quarterback is just stunning. I don't know how Ryan Pace keeps his job. Well, this brings way, up another. Go ahead, Steve. Yeah. No, go ahead. Now, as I say, this brings up another really interesting question that I was thinking about just as we jumped on the air, and that is that you obviously have if if. If Trubisky is not your quarterback of the future, and we know Nick Foles would only be the quarterback of a couple of years, let's be realistic about it, maybe even just one year, who knows, because he's got that out in his Yeah, that's the extent of Ryan Pace's future, I believe, is one year. Well, doesn't he have to? If if he does, let's just say he does have, let's say the Bears are successful this year and he does have job security, I think even this year, or in, in short order, they're going to have to start thinking about developing yet another young quarterback. And I don't know if they would go that route again, but they, they, if they're going to think about the future in a, you know, a four or five year plan as GMs are want to do in the NFL, they're going to have to think about continue, even though it feels like the quarterback situation is temporarily taped up and solved, 
in short order, they're going to need another quarterback, and I just wonder if that's going to be another development guy or if that's what they're thinking possibly in this draft because it would probably be ideal to get a quarterback in here, maybe even in that second round, and totally and just completely quash the idea of him getting a look this year, but really sit, do it the old school way, sit back and learn for a year, a year and a half, even two years before you jump onto the field, because I think that that's something they have to think about. It is. And I think of the idea of Ryan Pace drafting another quarterback, just you might as well close the franchise, turn in the charter, give it back to the NFL, and and let them figure out what to do with it, because nothing good's going to happen. We, uh, we'll have to take a break. We come back. Uh, Joe Madden was on the score today, because there's discussion of baseball playing actually playing baseball and new leagues and a new setup. And the fact that there there's no reason to think that baseball will happen or any sport will happen this year, given the current pandemic environment. But baseball has a plan that it wants, that it's thrown out there. And we are going to discuss it with new divisions, new ideas, new rivalries. I think it's worth talking about. I'm Steve Rosenblum. Mark Grody. Saturday Suckage, thanks for joining us. We hope to make your your isolation, quarantine, your pandemic uh, a little better. Chicago Sports Radio, 670 The Score. I'm a big Joe Madden fan. We're all Joe Madden fans. Welcome in, welcome back. Chicago Sports Radio, 670 The Score, Saturday 2nd. And the text line, which is, the text zone is brought to you by Rosen Hyundai of Algonquin. Save time, shop online at Rosen Hyundai. Dot com and they certainly think both of us suck. And that's what we're here for. We <laughs> suck so you don't have to. And um, talking about the Bears and um, some people unbelievably deciding that Ryan Pace should keep his job. Some people unbelievably deciding that Ryan Pace should not have a job. So we suck so you don't have to. And we did it all over the, t- and they're doing it all over the text line. Baseball has been told it sucks. For an idea, it is trying to maybe put together, maybe not, floating it as a um, floating it as a trial balloon to see what they might do. And the idea is two leagues, like they have now. Only instead of American and National, one would be the Grapefruit League, and one would be the Cactus League. This is what Bob Nightingale was uh, reporting in USA Today that MLB might realign all its divisions in hopes of playing a 2020 regular season at spring training sites in Arizona and Florida. And so you have the 15 teams, the numbers work out great, 15 Grapefruit League teams and 15 Cactus League teams. And the rundown of the divisions was curious. The Northeast in the Cactus League, geographically based, would be the Cubs, the Giants, the Diamondbacks, the Rockies, and the Oakland A's. And the Cactus League West would be the Doyers, the White Sox, the Reds, the Indians, and Joe Madden's Angels. Joe Madden was on with Spiegel and Bruce Levine uh, inside the clubhouse. And when discussing this idea... Joe Madden has these thoughts on the potential Cactus League alignment. 
I really think that'd be very difficult. It goes beyond just isolation. It goes right down to purely weather. I mean, this place gets this this place gets hot, even at night in the summertime. It's over 100 degrees at night, and I I just believe that uh, eventually guys will wear down too quickly. I, I think there'll actually be a loss of interest by playing in the one spot, one location, constantly going from a ballpark back to a hotel. Any kind of a, a mental and physical quarantine. I don't know that you're going to get the product you're looking for. So I, I don't I don't really like that particular model. Um, I think there's other things. Um, I mean, I've, I've been just like floating ideas about uh, actually incorporating dome stadiums throughout the country, um, moving moving groups around at, uh, over a period of time. The other thing is like we're just talking about all this. I I really just watching all this this whole thing unfold right now. I'm going week by week. I mean, every every week I hear something new or different. You might see hear a lot of really uh, negative components, and all of a sudden it gets a little bit better next week. So I'm going week by week before I determine exactly um, what we're going to be able to do. And I know, you know, there's there's the, the pessimists out there, and everybody's going to start, um, you know, a- applying actually analytics to this situation. I just want to wait and see. Okay, he wants to wait and see. I'm all for kicking around ideas. It gives us something to do. What do you think, Mark? Yeah, I'm all for it too. I mean, I've been saying since they started this, this, this is this is going to be good for baseball, assuming that they do get to play games, because it's finally an opportunity to do something maybe ridiculous and outside of the box, and the fans have to understand because of what what we're going through. It's either it's either do something like this, do something whack, or not have a season at all. And baseball obviously has been trying desperately year after year to do things differently, to try to make their game more interesting, to speed up their game, to make people watch more, to get younger eyeballs on the game. And finally, they'll be able to do something where, again, nobody can nobody can get truly mad at them because they have to do something in order to enable there to be a, a baseball season this year. It's interesting what he says. Like, he kind of just uh, took the air out of my balloon, Joe did, because <laughs> I kind of like the idea of of what you just laid out here from the USA Today article. Um, but when Joe said, well, the weather, you know, and that, that's that's a real thing. 100-degree heat ain't fun to play in, whether there's humidity or not. Um, and the fact that the, I like Joe kind of parenthetically throws in the idea of domed stadiums everywhere. Like, you could just do that. All right, um, here's what we're going to require, that every city, all, what is it, 32 teams, we're gonna need you to go ahead and build domes for the rest of this year, and then we'll play, then we'll we'll play ball. We'll be fine. No fans. I do see a baseball world where dome stadiums or retractable roofs are someday required, and that exists on 100% compliance. But that's probably after you and I are both gone from this earth. And maybe baseball too. I just don't see that happening. You know, it is a. Uh, there are all kinds of problems with that idea, um, but. The problems with the heat would lead you to believe that would would you'd find a way. The Rangers used to play, never played day games when they had to play outdoors and right. when it when it was too hot. So they always play their you start the games later. That's all there is to it. But you could also it's an argument for playing seven inning games. So you're spending t- less time in the heat, and that seven inning game has been a something baseball, I think, has always wanted to try. And not just for double headers, two seven inning games on a double header day, but seven inning games because they baseball doesn't know whether its problem is pace of play or length of games, and they conflate the two and they make dumb decisions of 
okay, relief pitcher has to face three batters. Or, and, and it is clearly pace of play. Nobody minds a four-hour game if there are 15 hits in it. There's just not. Strikeout, walk, or home run. And so two of the three are just going to uh, be met with yawns. The, the idea of a seven-inning game, suddenly it's, it's weird. You want to get to the end quicker. That's what baseball needs to do. So everything becomes more important. And I think the seven-inning game is one way to do it. But there are other things you bring up about the idea of a whole lot of people moving around to different different domes because there's only one yeah. in Arizona, Chase Field. So James McCann uh, and Steve Ciszek were made available on a conference call. And James McCann said that both of them at, stated the idea that, you know, the, the – Heroes right now are not baseball players. And McCann's quote is, I'm all for playing. There's no one who wants to play more than me, but I won't feel right if there's not a surplus of tests that we've taken tests from someone who may need it. And they cited the idea of there are medical professionals who need these tests. And baseball players getting the tests so they can play games, so you can get TV money. And, and the season can go on, um, it's excellent. And these guys don't want to be away. They don't want to be isolated and quarantined away from their family for four and a half or five months. And I get that. This is, this is unprecedented. You don't want to be away from your family. Your family doesn't want you to be separated from them. They want, you're a form of security, these ball players, and they know it. And the family's a lifeline for the ball players. I don't, I don't see how this happens. I like the idea they're trying to come up with something. But to hear James McCann say, these tests, basically, these tests need to be going to, there aren't enough tests, and they need to be going to hospital professionals and people who are putting their lives on the line, on the front line, on a on a minute-by-minute minute basis. That was refreshing to hear. That was smart to hear. I was glad to hear that. It is smart. I'm wondering, too, as you're saying this, a one, and I don't think we'll ever get a true answer on this because there's only one way to express yourself throughout this this COVID crisis, and that is, look, whatever is best for everybody. Let's let's health is number one, but obviously, Major League Baseball is is made up of 20 year olds, you know, between 20 and 30. I wonder what they're really thinking at this point. They, they, like, let's just let's just play. I'm guessing because that's the 20 year old mentality that that has existed throughout this that, well, hey, this COVID's not for me. Um, I'm not going to be affected by it. Let's get this thing going. So I, I imagine that, unfortunately, McCann is probably to some degree in the minority of the thought process. The other thing is, Steve, that I'm thinking about is the as I'm looking at these divisions, I would like to see this South division play out. The Twins, the Red Sox, the Rays, the Braves, and the Orioles. That looks like a hell of a division right there. Well, but, but the Cactus League West, balance that against the Cactus League West, where you got the Doyers, who for, oh, they the now they got Mookie Betts. You got the White Sox, a team that I couldn't wait to see play. That is, <laughs> for all the world on the come, the Reds made every good move you could think of. And if they didn't, also in that division is the Angels with Rendon and and you're talking about and Joe Madden's managing and and there's Cleveland that finds a way to, you know, for five months they seem to be competitive 
and they got one of the best managers in baseball. That's a hell of a division, too. Ooh, and yeah, you're right. I, you're I right. would still want the Sox and Cubs in the same division, and I would think that would be that would be far more interesting to me. I, however, they're separated by this geographically. There, put the you, you put the Cubs and Sox in the same division. I want to see that. That's what I want. So, Dan, yeah, I don't know why they didn't. Now that now that you mentioned that, I, yeah. And by the way, Mark, the World Series starts today. The 2016 World Series. And the score will be broadcasting it. Begins at 5 p.m. today. Cubs and the aforementioned Indians, game one of the 2016 World Series. So we invite you to join us on the score. Pat Hughes, Ron Coomer, and Joe Ostrowski will be live before the game, after the third and sixth innings, and then post-game. That's today at 5 p.m. The World Series starts today. You will hear it, hear a World Series game from 2016 every day here on the score. Also, what you're going to hear after our show today, the score will present the 2009 NFC wildcard game, Green Bay at Arizona. It is a great game. It's the highest scoring playoff game in NFL history, 51-45. And I, it's not a spoiler alert because I get to tell you the Packers lose. And what's better than hearing the Packers lose a playoff game? Packers suck! Yeah! Damn it. And then tomorrow at noon, the score will air the 2007 NFC divisional game between the Bears and the Seahawks. Robbie Gold hits the game-winning field goal in overtime. Starts at noon here on the score. Jeff Joniak, Tom Thayer on the call. Joniak with a uh, pregame of recollections about that. So that's what we have planned for you. What we also have planned is a discussion with somebody who will enlighten us about the new man running the Bulls. We'll do that after this break. I'm Steve Rosenblum. He's Mark Grody. Thanks for listening to Saturday Suckage. We hope we're taking your mind off the distraction of your quarantine and the pandemic and everything else. Chicago Sports Radio, 670 to score. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com.